Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, December 8th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The bond market is showing that the U.S. economy is in for a bumpy ride. Peru removed its president yesterday and swore in a new one, and German authorities uncovered an attempt to overthrow the government. Plus, your holiday shopping list might be in better shape this year. U.S. supply chains have done a U-turn since last holiday season. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. There's another sign the U.S. could tip into an economic recession. The yield curve is the most inverted that it's been since 1981. The yield curve is a chart that shows interest rates from short-term bonds to long-term bonds, in this case, the two-year and the 10-year. When the curve is inverted, like it is right now, it means yields on short-dated bonds are higher than yields on longer-dated bonds. Short-dated Treasury yields reflect expectations of where interest rates will be in the future. And investors right now keep selling Treasuries because they think the Federal Reserve is going to keep aggressively raising interest rates to fight inflation, And that could drive the economy into a recession. Peru's Congress voted to impeach President Pedro Castillo yesterday and then swore in a new president. This all came after Castillo announced that he was going to temporarily dissolve parliament. Here to talk more about what this means for the country is the FT's Joe Parkin Daniels. Hi, Joe. Hi, Mark. How are you? First of all, what were the impeachment proceedings about? Why was Castillo ousted? The impeachment charges were brought against him for uh, moral incapacity uh, and for corruption allegations brought against him by the opposition, who have been out to get him really since he took over, since he took office in July 2021. This is the third impeachment attempt that they'd brought against him. And it wasn't clear that the impeachment would have worked. In fact, the general feeling was that this impeachment process wouldn't have gone through, that the opposition wouldn't have had the votes to bring him down. But he took this extraordinary step of announcing that he was dissolving Congress, which then brought everything to the fore. And that then swung Congress against him almost almost entirely. So Peru has a new president now, Dina Boluarte. She's the country's first female president. What can you tell us about her, Joe? Well, she was obviously uh, Castillo's vice president and therefore comes with the baggage of being a member of the Castillo administration, uh, an administration that was constantly dogged with scandal. And that scandal will will follow her. That And that will lead her into problems with Congress, which will remain the same makeup being opposition-led and will essentially lead to a showdown. Uh, We just have to wait and see when that will be. Now, what are you looking out for in the coming days and weeks? The crisis that came to its head yesterday, that only resolved the kind of chapter of which Castillo is the protagonist. The issue going forward is that Dina Boluarte now lacks legitimacy somewhat. She was not at the top of the ticket. um, And even then, Castillo only won very narrowly last year. Um, So there will be calls for elections pretty soon. I think that's the next kind of phase 
the legitimacy crisis is not just in the executive, but also in Congress. Congress is viewed very unpopularly. The last major Ipsos poll, then President Castillo was polling at something like 24%, whereas uh, Congress at 18% approval. So there's a governance crisis, really, that is going to continue. That's the FT's Andean correspondent, Joe Parkin-Daniels. Now a story about political intrigue in Europe. German police this week uncovered an alleged right-wing plot to overthrow the government. Officers arrested 25 people in raids across Germany, Austria, and Italy. The alleged conspiracy was to storm Germany's parliament, the Bundestag, and install a new government. The FT's Guy Chazan has more on this. Their plans were apparently quite advanced, and they had some very sort of influential people supporting them, including a former Bundestag MP who apparently would have been the the justice minister of the new government. Because she was an MP or had been, uh, she would have helped them actually enter the Bundestag where they intended to arrest MPs and lead them in handcuffs out of the plenary hall. So Germany's attorney general said that The 25 people who were arrested are accused of being members of or supporting a domestic terror organization. How long has this alleged plot been brewing, Guy? I mean, the background to this is that Germany has for many years had a movement called the Reichsbürger, which means sort of, you know, citizens of the empire. This group is is a rather peculiar kind of eccentric group of people who don't recognize the authority of the Federal Republic of Germany. They refuse to, uh, you know, get German passports or driving license or whatever because they just don't recognize the authority of the state. And they've always always been considered a rather kind of comical, uh, sort of ridiculous uh, and eccentric band of people. But it does seem that they've become increasingly radicalized and, and this investigation shows that they are actually quite organized as well. They have links to the security services or at least... Uh, former members of the security services, and they've been plotting to overthrow the government. That's the FT's Berlin bureau chief, Guy Chazan. Last holiday season, supply chains were an absolute mess. There were shipping delays from China, a shortage of truckers, and very little warehouse space. It got U.S. retailers worried that they'd be left with empty shelves. And many consumers were frantically tracking orders, hoping they'd arrive on time. But it's a whole different story this year. Those disruptions have eased. The FT's U.S. business editor, Andrew Edgecliffe-Johnson, looked into this, and he joins me now. Hi, Edge. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on. All right. So, Edge, what has changed since last holiday season? Essentially, the inflation that has been the biggest economic story this year, and which was partly driven by the rising costs in those supply chains, has started to bring down consumer demand and business demand. And that means that those supply chains, which are operating a little bit more easily right now, are better able to cope with demand. And what we've seen as a result is dramatic reductions in the cost of shipping goods from factories on the other side of the world to your local store. So the spot rates for shipping from Asia to West Coast ports are down 87% year on year. The cost of air freight has halved and 
the Biden administration and Congress intervened to make sure that a rail strike, which could have cost the US economy about $2 billion a day, did not happen. So suddenly, supply chains have gone from a highly inflationary factor to a rather deflationary factor. All right, so prices are coming down. What about workers' wages? They increased during the pandemic. Have they been affected by supply chains getting untangled? So that is one piece of inflation which is looking pretty sticky in the supply chain. There is still a shortage of labor. It's not as acute as it was last year, but if you're running a trucking company or a warehouse, it is still quite hard to get the number of people you want. I spoke to the head of uh, DHL's North American Supply Chain Operations, who was saying he's only hiring about 15,000 people to help with the surge in holiday work this year, down from 20,000. But he's actually adding about a third as many robots as he was using last year to work with them, because the cost of labor, which is up about 3 to $5 an hour to about $20 an hour, uh, is not coming down. And so that changes the return on investment on automation instead of employing more humans. All right. So are we done? Are we no longer concerned about supply chain issues? We are still very much watching supply chain issues. And even as the Fed is talking about an easing of supply constraints in its outlook for inflation, it is obviously very, very watchful of any inflationary pressures in corporate America. The one big question mark out there. The one cloud on the horizon is what happens next in China. And we've seen disruptions because of protests over the uh, zero COVID strategy. And there is a real question now, a very live question about whether China's response to these protests, which may involve opening up more, leads to surges of infections and therefore more shutdowns, which could lead to more disruption. That's the FT's Andrew Edgecliffe-Johnson. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.